Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Laquita Parks. Welcome everyone, and this is Conscious Conversations with Louisa. So I am super excited to have David highlight Laquita Parks, and then we will get the show rolling from there. David. Thank you, Louisa. Laquita is the founder and CEO of PayProV Publishing Company and a failure to communicate LLC, as well as a relationship communications coach, writing coach, and mentor with passion for people and their well-being. She is also the host of her own podcast, My Heart on Pages, and the host of Power, The Power of Your Story radio show. Laquita is also the founder and facilitator of Exhale, a social communication group for women who, who meet to discuss different issues ranging from personal to political. And Laquita created the Pay Pro Review publishing platform to help people start the healing process because she believes that there is power in your story and that writing and sharing your story can be therapeutic. Walking Limitations by Other People's Definitions is Laquita's first published book and the true story of how she went into the hospital to have a simple procedure and left when it left her crippled for life at the hands of a nurse. This has created a medical tsunami that has affected her life for the last 48 years. Writing her story started the healing process for her, and she helps others to do the same with their story. So without further ado, back to Laquita and Louisa. Thank you. That was fantastic. Laquita, welcome. And I am so honored and excited to have you here, especially because we did connect two years ago and your story totally touched my life. And I know that People have really gone through a lot in the last two years. Your story will be such a huge game changer for what has happened, who you've been, and where you are now. Could we go back to the beginning and and have an opportunity to hear your story? Absolutely. Um, And so thank you so much, David. That was wonderful. I love your voice. Um, And um, Louisa, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm I'm delighted to be here. Um, But my story started when I was four years old. And it started before then when I was born to a teenage mother who already had one child. And then I came along and I was I wasn't a sickly child, but I kept having sore throats. I had a lot of sore throats. So my mom would take me to the doctor and they said, hey, you know what? The tonsils, it's the tonsils, the tonsils have to come out. And it was supposed to be a simple procedure. They told my mom I'd go in, have my tonsils out, um, stay a couple of days, go home, get ice cream and things would be fine. Um, I went to the hospital. The tonsillectomy was a success. Um, After the surgery, um, I was there. My mom went home to see about my other other sisters and to get ice cream. And while in the room, a nurse came into the room and jabbed me in the thigh with a needle. 
um, that needle, it, it poisoned the bone in my leg and it caused um, my leg, my leg began to swell the muscles. It struck the nerve. The muscles began to die. And the doctor said they had to amputate my leg. So um, back then that was in, I was four years old. That was in 1973. And there were no cell phones. Um, my mom got a call when she got back to the hospital. When the doors opened, all she could hear was chaos. There was chaos. And I was the chaos. They were rushing past my mom with me on the stretcher to take me into the OR. They told my mom if they did not amputate my leg, it would burst and I would die. Uh, after about eight hours worth of uh, eight hours of surgery, um, they found that they could remove the bone. They didn't have to take my they didn't have to amputate my leg, but they removed the bone. But they told my mom that I would never walk again. Um, and that started the medical tsunami for me um, that has not yet ended. And it's been it it has been a it, it's it's life for me ain't been no crystal stare. But it has been it's been a difficult life, but it's also been a good life. Um, so I've had the opportunity to. Um, and I say opportunity is it really wasn't a choice that I had um, to go and experience different people uh, with the with the my book, Walking Limitations. I tell the story of walking limitations that were placed on me that I didn't have a choice in um, at the age of 11. Uh, after having about eight surgeries up to that point, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, then there were more surgeries because I was a. Um, I, I was not able to run and play like everybody else. Um, I was on crutches. I was the, I called myself the first Forrest Gump. I wore those braces that clicked and clacked and clicked and clacked. I couldn't go outside and play like everybody else. If it rained, my mom wouldn't let me go out because I could go outside, uh, slip on a rock, break my ankle, and yet there's another surgery. Um, so as I grew up, um, I, I had one medical issue after another with my legs. Uh, I've had 15 surgeries on my right leg and foot that stemmed from that one shot. Um, after that, after that diagnosis, then there was a diagnosis of lupus. Um, as I've grown older, um, it's been one thing after another, because as you grow older, your bones change, your body changes. Um, I've had a total of about 30 surgeries throughout my body, all stemming from the shot that I was given when I was four years old. It, it, it affected my body. I've had bone taken out of one part of my body, put in another bone taken from my hip, put in my foot because the bone started to deteriorate. I have 70% nerve damage from my leg to my foot. And I don't wear that as a badge of honor. I use my story to help people to tell their stories because what happened to me was not my fault. And I made the choice every single day, everything that we do, we make a choice. We make a choice to, to do whatever it is we wanna do. I could wallow in my own self-pity. And I don't think that there'd be anybody who would blame me. I have, I have my, my feet are, one foot is a size nine and a half, the other is a six and a half. When I buy shoes, I have to buy two pair of shoes. Uh, I walk with a limp. Right now, I'm in a, in a cast that I've been in for the last month. I And so it goes on and on and on, but you can't look at me and tell that. You can't look at me and tell that there's something wrong with my leg. You can't look at me and tell that I've dealt with pain every single day of my life 
for, um, since I was four years old. I don't know a day without pain. Um, what happened before I was four, I have no real memory of. I don't remember those times. Uh, I had my children. I had to have, I could not have my babies vaginally because of the shot that I was given because they took bone out of my pelvis. It altered the shape and I was not able to push my babies through the birth canal. So they had to do a cesarean with all three of my babies. So that jab. And so can you imagine, Louisa, when, when the, with the pandemic, um, to get the shot or not to get the shot. And, and it was named the jab, the jab. And that was very traumatic for me. It was very traumatic for me. I absolutely understand that. And you know, what's wild is to all of the limitations that I believe we put on ourselves. You fell in love, you got married, you have three children, you carried three children to term. And yes, you had them um, you still gave birth to them and mm-hmm. it did not stop you from living an extraordinary full life and, and accomplishing all that you've accomplished with that being your story, not regardless, but with that being your story. So what was it like on, I'm, I'm going to use the word self-worth. Like you have to know who you, who you are, what you're worth to allow yourself to fall in love. What was that experience like? Um, well, I was young and I was always, be, because of everything that went that I went through, I was considered that I was the crippled child. Um, so I was very shy. I was very quiet. I didn't want anybody to see me. I did everything that I could to not be seen. And with that being said, I was, I had very, very low self-esteem. So I, I migrated to, um, the person who said, who who gave me the attention, who made me feel special, who said they loved me. And it was, I was immature. He was immature. And so we kind of found each other. We got married, we had children. And then there was the fallout. It was, um, it was, it was a very difficult, rocky marriage. I did what I thought the right thing was to do. Um, I got married and I tried very hard to raise my children um, and to keep a marriage. I didn't know how to be a wife. Um, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. And in the midst of it, my my husband at the time is he's my ex-husband now. Um, he needed he needed to do a lot of growing up. He didn't know how to be a husband. I was 19. He was 22 when we got married and trying to put a family together. In the midst of that, I'm still going through my struggles, still having to go to the doctor about my legs. I'm still I'm 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 a wife. I'm a mother. I'm going through all of these issues, but I can't complain about it because my number one responsibility was to take care of my children. So I raised my children without them understanding that. I, I can't do, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of, I can't with them. Um, I didn't let them see a lot of the, um, a lot of the, um, the weak part, even though I considered myself to be the weakest link. Um, it was not until after I went through the divorce and after I, uh, I started understanding who I am and started learning to love myself from the inside out that I started to understand my worth. So I was a I was a victim 
And I had a victim mentality. I, 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 and I called it the victimship. I was under the victimship. So I accepted the treatment that people gave me. If people gave, people said, Hey, uh, I'm going to give you this. They, they dangled the fruit. I took the fruit. They gave me the scraps off the table. I accepted it without complaint because I didn't think that I could have better because of where I was. My, I was the crippled child. I didn't want, you know, the crippled child didn't want to wear dresses. I was picked out to be picked on. Can you imagine being bullied? as a crippled child, I was that person. I was bullied. I, you know, I went, I was picked out to be picked on. So I learned how to accept whatever people gave me. And then I decided one day that, you know, as a victim, I don't want to be a victim anymore. Uh, and so I made the choice and it, and it took a while. Um, I went back to school. I didn't even go to college at first because I felt like I wasn't college material. And although my family loved me, they didn't push me. You know, because I was the weakest link. I was a weak child. They didn't want to push me. They didn't want to upset me. So they didn't. And so when I said I'm not going to college because I don't think I'm college material, I didn't get any pushback. They were like, okay, they didn't. My sister didn't get my sister. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to college. And she did. But I got pushed. I didn't get pushed back. It was like, OK, you don't have to. But they never said, well, what do you want to do? And I, I didn't know. So when here's this man that came along and he made me feel special and that's who I migrated to. So after that, I had to learn how to love myself from the inside out. So I went back to school after 20 years. I went back to school. I had gone through a divorce at that time. And I started, you know, looking at my children and started thinking, I'm putting these limitations on them. And I don't want to put those limitations on them. So I started going through and said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. So I sat my children down and I said, hey, I'm going back to school. So we're going to all be in school at the same time. So you guys are going to be in school and I'm going to be at school. Now, I don't know if they like that because then the expectations changed. If I can go to school and work a full-time job and, may, and, and be on the dean's list, then surely you can bring in A's and B's. I wouldn't accept anything less. And they were like, oh. And when I would bring my report card home, I was like, okay, here you go. I I'm on the dean's list. Well, let me see yours. Let me see yours. So I started changing my mindset and the expectations became different. Um, I no longer, I, I became I became the leader and not the follower. Um, I became the leader in the classroom when we, when I went back to college after 20 years and adult learning, you know, you're, you're familiar with adult learning programs. Um, they they choose teams and then you choose whose team you want to be on. When it, when it came to pick a team, I didn't pick a team. I put my name on the board alone and I sat down and then the people who remained on the team with me, they saw where I put my name and they said, hey, I was watching you and I wanted to be wherever you were. So I realized, you know what, I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. And I started I started having different expectations of myself. I started thinking, OK, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Um, when we're when you behave like a victim, people treat you like a victim. And so I'm like, I'm not a victim. And so I started changing my mindset. I started changing the way that I thought about myself and what I accepted. So I started saying, no, I don't want to accept that. And I started showing people that who I am and who 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 I trained myself to be. And, and then I got baptized into Christ. And I was I and, and that just took over a whole new meaning because then I found that I was worthy in the eyes of God and I didn't have to accept the crumbs from the table. I didn't have to accept how people treated me. I didn't have to be the doormat and people walked over me. And so I'm still I, I'm, I'm still a very, um, very open, very caring person, but I'm no longer a doormat. 
And, and, and I, I treat myself differently and I have expectations of myself. And so people treat me differently now. You know, they don't throw me the scraps at the, on the table because they don't even come. They don't even go. It's like, okay, she's not going to even fall for that. She's let's not even go there. We're not going to go there with her, you know? And then there are those who are like, you know, what's wrong with you? You have an attitude. You changed. And no, I haven't changed. It's that you, I, I no longer accept for you to treat me how you think I should be treated. So, and, and I, you know, I, I speak up. I don't, I don't, I no longer stay silent. If I'm silent, it's because I'm progress, I'm processing. Um, I, I do a lot of processing and if it does not mesh well with who I am and if it's someone trying to pull me back to who I used to be, it doesn't work. It does not work. Right. Once you've done enough work, it's not even in alignment to where you're at. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't show up in our space anymore. And if it does, it doesn't last because it's not, you're right. It's not who you are anymore. It's not, but the work is so magnificent. How did your story of writing your story come about? Like, when did that go? I'm going to write my story. And then you start publishing story, yours and other people's stories. Yes. Um, well, I never set out to, to, to write. I, you know, being an author or writer, um, that was never my story. That was never something I said I wanted to be. I used to want to be a singer and I didn't get pushed into it. And I wonder if they would, if my family would have said, okay, go for it. I wonder how far I would have gotten, but um, I, I decided I I started a mentoring program. Um, I had three children, two daughters, a son, and I was going to be their role model. I didn't want my children seeking role models outside of home. So my children saw a strong mother. They saw one who uh, who was a good disciplinary. I was fair. Um, I didn't I didn't curse them. You know, I didn't do all those all those things. And I wanted to be their role model. And as I was as I was working with them, I started started doing coaching with uh, communication, communication coaching, because that was where I lacked. I, I didn't I didn't speak up for myself. And I started seeing that there were people who were not speaking up for themselves. So I started working with them and I would take my children as, as my you know how we take our children as our free labor. And so I would take my children as my free labor. And one day my daughter, um, my daughter said, can you do one of these for, um, can you do one of these for my friends and I? And I said, one of what? Can you do like one of these coaching programs that you do for, you know, adults for my children, my friends and I? And I said, okay. So I sat them down and I, I sat her down and said, well, what do you guys, what do you want to see? And she started talking to me about some of the things she was in, she was a, a junior in high school at the time. And she started talking about some things and, and saying, you know, I don't know. They did not know what they wanted to do. But, you know, some of them didn't want to go to college. Some of them did, but they had no clue. They felt lost. And they said, well, you know, what what can can you help us? So that that particular year, I did a my first um, youth seminar for 17 teenagers in my living room. And I found that they they had questions. They had questions. And I and I assured them that they could ask me whatever they wanted to ask. I would not judge them. They would not get in trouble. Um, they had questions about sex. They were being peer pressured. They had set questions about drugs. They had a lot of 
questions and they didn't know what to do. They were afraid to go to school. They didn't know what to expect when they left home. They didn't know. So I started working with young people and then I saw, okay, you know what? I told, I, I would share with them, it's okay to tell your story. It's okay to tell your story. And while I was talking to them, I thought, okay, well, if I'm telling them it's okay to tell their story, then I need to tell my story. So I, I wrote um, Walking Limitations by Other People's Definition because I wanted those young people to see that if I, I'm, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to tell you to do something that I won't do for myself. And so I shared my story and I didn't even publish this. I mean, I didn't even market the story. I just wrote the story and I just told that little group. I didn't even, I, I you know, I know that was 2016. So I know a whole lot more now than I did then. Um, and then, and, and I didn't know at that time that the road was leading me to where I am now. So I ended up having to go to the Mayo Clinic because my medical situation continued. It didn't stop. It didn't. There was no miracle cure. It just it just continued. And so I ended up at the Mayo Clinic. So I spent about four months at the Mayo Clinic um, and during the pandemic. So my last trip to the Mayo Clinic was in February of 2020. And I came home from the from the Mayo Clinic one week before everything shut down. But my last time at the Mayo Clinic, the doctor looked at me and he said, after all of the tests and all the diagnosis, he said, while you're not dying, you are suffering. And I didn't hear, I, and I, I didn't even hear all of the diagnosis because all I heard was, while you're not dying, you are suffering. And I thought, this can't be my life. This cannot be my life. Um, but while I was at the Mayo Clinic, I had people reaching out to me, asking me, how did you write your book? How did you publish your book? Can you help me? And I thought, you know, you're asking me to help you write your book. I'm at the Mayo Clinic. You should be asking me, how am I doing? But I didn't get that. And nor did I say that. That was one of those times I kept quiet. But I did. I helped people while I was at the Mayo Clinic. And I found that it gave me a reprieve from what I was going through. The more I helped other people, the more it took my mind off of what I was going through. And I, I began to understand that we are what we focused on. And I didn't I stopped focusing on um, the pain and I started focusing on somebody else's story. And I started Pay-Pro-V Publishing started. Um, it wasn't it, it was never something that I intended to do um, at the time. Everything was shut down. I knew that I couldn't go back to my corporate job. And I had the way that the way that it was happening. I had so, I mean, one person after another person after another person. During that time, I met you. Um, we did a summit together. And things were just going, going, going. And I was like, wait a minute. And it was it was fun. It was amazing. It was wonderful. And I began to help people take their stories from a thought to a realization. And that was in 2020. And since that time, um, I've published over 100 books. I've helped hundreds of people, uh, including um, six, eight anthologies that um, I've, I've not been in, but I've published and working with youth. And now I've incorporated publishing with my mentoring program, a failure to communicate mentoring program. I work with young people and the power of your story. I'm all about the story. Um, there is truly power in your story. Uh, I've, I've seen grown men cry. I've had grown men come and 
cry because they were able to tell their stories. Uh, I've worked with everybody from um, men who've been in prison for 30 years who have told their stories and they're doing well to um, a 109 year old woman who just passed um, uh, last year whose story, um, how to live well past 109. I had an opportunity to meet her and interview her and, and including some, you know, children's books of my own and memoirs, um, just a, just an array of, of books and projects. Um, and, and that, that has led to me, um, for the first time in January of this year, I mentioned, I named the hospital that, damn it, that, that, was responsible for um, my leg. And I never named Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia before. That was the first time in my life that I ever mentioned the hospital. And when I tell you it was, there was a lot of anxiety. Um, there was a press release done. There was a lot of anxiety. And I called my sister. I started hyperventilating. I said, they, they named the hospital. And my sister said, it's time. It's been 49 years. It's time. And she said to me, it's time. She said, somebody has to explain something. You don't, you no longer have to hide that. And when I tell you that was the most freeing thing for me. Um, since that time I've had somebody, I had somebody immediately come and say, hey, we want to do a documentary of your story. And, but we have, we, we can't say the hospital name. And I said, I'm not interested. Um, because I'm no, I'm no longer interested in being silent. It's been 49 years. So, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't profess to be, but somebody has to explain how as a four-year-old, I went in the hospital to have my tonsils removed and I came out crippled for life. Now, uh, you know, I know one thing, I, I, I don't have a doctorate degree, but I know the throat bone is not connected to the leg bone. So somebody has to, has, somebody has to answer that. So that's 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 the scope of that i'm in such like awe of the human desire coming through you of not of becoming who you are and the difference you've made and the impact you have in this world with having an excuse and be and becoming you and how you've held space for the world to transform in, in that space. It's one of the reasons I really wanted you back because I just know how many people, whether it is here or whether it is physical, that we have the limitations of like, I can't do this because I don't feel well because everything hurts because. And it's like, and yes, you can. Yes, you can. And yes, you can. So I am going to open it up to everyone else having an opportunity to ask you questions because I just, I have beautiful souls in this room. I really, I'm so honored to have the community I have, and I'm so excited they get to meet you personally. So anyone who would like to ask Laquita questions, please feel free to, or just to thank her for sharing. David, yes. Uh, you can hear me? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just really inspired by what you were saying. And you touched on a few things like you, you, you realized your worth and you realized how you wanted to change um, your outlook and your perspective on things. But I'm wondering, was, was there something that happened that if you touched on it and I didn't pick up on it, I apologize, but was there one little spark or something, something that inspired you or something that you saw 
um, that, you know, it could be religion or whatever, but was there any like one person that you saw that inspired you something that just kind of flicked that switch for you? And then, you know, everything kind of cascaded in your favor, in your mindset. So. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, David, I, I have not shared this story. It's in my book. Um, it's in my book, but I've not really shared it publicly a lot. Um, my children, um, there was an incident that happened when my, I, I was at, I, I was at work and my children were home and, you know, um, there was, you know, how when somebody rings the doorbell and there's the peephole and somebody puts their finger, my children used to play like that a lot. So when, when the, when my, when my daughter would come home, the, you know, they were latchkey kids. When they would come home, somebody would, you know, they would ring the bell or knock on the door, play with the door and put the finger over the peephole. Um, well, an incident happened where my two younger children were home and somebody rang the doorbell and they thought it was their sister. And because they had the finger over the door and they opened the door and it was two boys with a gun and they came in and they they wanted money. Well, they were children. They didn't have money. And so the um, my younger children were home and the and they put the gun up to my son and my son had his sister, his baby sister behind him and they hit him with the gun. Um, and they they realized there was no money and they ran out. Thank God they ran out. Um, my son called me and he was, I mean, he was just in just as you, as you would expect, he was just in a mess. Um, I, I rushed home, got home with, I, I don't know. I broke all traffic lights. When I got home, um, of course the police was called. I had the neighbor call the police. When I got home, um, the, the children were okay. Um, uh, but the police told me that my children, my son and my daughter, they said that they sh they they were able to articulate what happened. Um, they he was just very impressed by how my son protected his sister and how they were able to give a description. And and he was just very complimentary of them in, in the midst of all of the trauma that they were going through. Uh, my son kept it together until I got home and privately he said to me, he 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 was he was sorry that he felt like he didn't do enough to protect his sister. That was that for for me, I, I felt like he was uh, my, my son was in middle school at the time. And I felt like if this kid can have this much strength and they're looking to me and as I'm 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 falling apart. I was I I had to do something better than what I was doing. Um, they couldn't see broken, and and to this very day, my 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 children are very close, and they don't even if I say if I say something's wrong or I'm hurting, they're like, "Mama's fine, Mama, you're fine," because they see me as strong, and I see them as strong. My son has been through a lot. And we went we went to therapy. I, I'm, I believe in therapy. There are some people who don't believe in therapy, but I took my son to therapy because he had guilt because he felt like he didn't do enough to protect his sister. But he did. He did. And so that was my strength, David. Um, that was my strength and knowing that it could have been so different. It could have been so different. So I hope I answered your question. You did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. 
you know, that sentence of it could have been so different, that really, that hits home for me. How much happens in a day that we just kind of take it for face value versus like really seeing it could have been so different and doing something about it. Yes. Anyone else? Joe, unmute, please. You got to unmute. Joe, you're muted. Joe's always muted. <laughs> it's my fault, though. I actually mute everyone on purpose because this is being recorded. It helps editing go faster. So it's my fault that I mute everyone. All right. I'm not mute. Okay. I'm so <laughs> impressed. I'm so touched by your story at your strength, at the conditions which have forged you to be the person you are is amazing. But it is a true lesson that we all can learn from you. You know, the, 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 the life that you have lived and are living is fantastic because we all have little problems. We all think they're giant problems, but they're just little problems. And then when you tell your story, it's so inspiring because you have proven that whatever it takes to show up every day, one step in front of the other, you have done it. You have accomplished so much in the face of all those problems. It is, I applaud you. It touches me. And I thank you for your story. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Joe, now you see why I wanted Susan on. I thought it would, it's so inspiring because like we all can have like, you know, parts of our body that hurt. And I was actually really inspired by your leadership of, um, choosing yourself as the leader when I was growing up and, and, you know, there was a team captains. I, I was terrified of playing any sport. So not only did I not choose myself as the team captain, I got like somebody ended up with me on their team. Like I didn't even get chosen. So somebody ended up because I was like, the ball is coming. Right. And <laughs> I grew up thinking I was that girl. That girl does not host masterminds. That girl does not choose herself as a leader. That the girl does not do much. And it didn't define who I ended up growing up to be. You know what I mean? Like just because I didn't see myself as the team captain then, and just because I had all of the like how I ended up on someone's team, didn't mean that was my sentence for life. So I love the fact that like, well, Whatever happened is reality. It happened. And yet you get to still choose who you become. And so you choosing to go to school, you choosing to get an education, you choosing to have a what was your bigger vision to why you did it. And that drives you when things don't feel well and it doesn't feel comfortable, but you're still there pushing because you see the why. Mm -hmm. And that really inspires me because it's like, there are things that I do now because I see that I was a little toughy and a, a superstar growing up in certain areas. And there's things that I didn't have that I get to do now because I didn't have those qualities. So that's why I like actually hosting this in a group because we see ourselves in each other. Like people hear your story and go, she could do what I could do it. Right. Like, you hear yourself in someone else's story. And I love having superpowers near me 
because those superpowers you see yourself in and you're like, I could see I'm very capable of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the hospital and and people are asking you for books, they're just saying, thank you for being a superpower. <laughs> like I can see that now. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> right? Like no one's like, oh, you poor thing. You're in the hospital. They're like, sweet, while you're there, you must have some downtime. Can you publish my book? <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much, pretty much. They didn't care that there were, you know, five appointments, six appointments in one day. But it, but I, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. It all opened. We're telling you, you're amazing. Yes, yes. And and it's also that perspective that we have is like, how are we hearing the story? Are they saying they don't care about us? That's why they're like using our space in the hospital or are they saying wow so cool that you're capable of this i'm asking you something you're very capable of doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was wonderful. what are you up to now like what are the joys <laughs> of your life right now um so i am um still publishing i have a podcast show called my heart on pages Um, where I interview authors about the why behind their stories, um, because everybody has a story and there is a why behind everybody's story. Uh, I've published about nine or 10 books of my own, um, including this little cute little children's book called Ouch Lies Hurt. Um, I wrote my first little song to go with it. So it's teaching parents, helping parents help their children make better choices and teaching them that truth is it's, it's, it's better to tell the truth and not lie. Um, also, I have I have several book projects with authors um, that's coming out now. And um, I have I, I'm doing my first anthology with children. So I've had children. Um, ages six to 17, submit stories to go into uh, a book anthology called My Neighbors Don't Look Like Me. And um, I do a veterans project. So um, uh, I've this, this will be my going into my third year. Um, and I do a veterans project where uh, veterans can submit their stories to an anthology and the funds are donated to the VFW. Um, I've done it for two years. I'll do it. And, I, and it's released them um, for Veterans Day. Um, and so I, I also have a television show called The Power of Your Story. Um, we are now streaming on Roku television. And I, I, I do I do a lot. I, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. That brings me so much joy. It really does. A- anyone else want to share in here? Corrine, yes. Hi, thank you so much for for sharing your story. It's so inspirational to me. So, you know, I have a question because, you know, there are mornings where I struggle to get up and get motivated and I don't have nowhere near the health problems that you have had or have dealt with. So how do you work through it when you wake up and you're in pain or it's not a good day? How do you work through it to get to do what you have to do, to be there for your children, uh, et cetera? Um, Thank you, that's a really good question. Uh, And I'm trained by pain. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm trained by pain. So I go through a process. Um, I have, um, and in the summertime, it's not as bad, but in the wintertime, um, my leg gets extremely cold. 
um, like I'm going to bed with a pack of chicken. So I, I, I literally cry myself to sleep most nights. Um, so I go through a process of getting up. I, I, I get in the shower every single morning. I have a chair in my shower. And so how I feel dictates how long my shower is. Um, that's the shower has become my prayer. That's where I do my praying. That's where I, I, and I learned that when my children were coming up, because if the water was running and the door was closed and they thought I was in the shower, they would not bother me. They would be, if I was there for 30 minutes, they would not bother me for 30 minutes. So that became a habit. So I, I get in the shower. Um, I don't do, um, I don't, I don't like medication. I don't like anything that's going to make me feel lethargic. That's going to take me outside of my mind. So I do a lot of essential oils. Mm. Um, I make my own pain rollers. I make my own immunity rollers. I make all of those myself. And I, I, I would say I listen to my body a lot. I don't do that as much as I probably should, but I always make, I, I make the choice to choose to do something else. Um, if I need to, um, I'm in my office right now, but I also have where I can readjust. I can take my laptop and create my own work environment. Uh, if I can, I'm wearing a brace right now that I have to wear a cast that I have to wear for the next couple of months because my tendons are inflamed. I'm used to that. So I create my own environment. I'm a no excuses kind of person. So I don't make excuses for myself. If I can't do it, I can't do it. Uh, if I can do it, I, I do it. And when I feel good, I, I do everything that I can. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy life. I have fun because I, I know that I want to see my grandchildren. I have four grandchildren and they won't be there four, three, I mean, four, two, one and one. Um, when I play with them and they stand on me, I'm going to pay for that the next day. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I have no regrets. So, you know, I do things like I do showers. I rub, I, I have, I have oils. I have, I have these little oil bottles in every room and I use them and I make them, I make them work for me and I do what I can while I can. Thank you so much. I appreciate That's a great question, Corina. I love the, that we got to have the answer for that. I am I seeing yes, Gonzalo. I have a question for you. Is there a like a a daily or or weekly mantra that you go through? Like when you're going through the pain points, right? Is there something that you say to yourself like every single day or every single minute as you're going through the process to get you over the hump? Um, I do. I I I love music. Um, I I pray. I I also teach Bible study, so I I have a very strong spiritual base. Uh, I have a very strong, uh, a, a great connection. But I I I discover the song. Um, I I was I was the recipient of the Community Excellence Award. Um, last year, and I went to Baltimore to receive that award. And there was a song played, and it's called "Why Not Me." And as I listened to that song. I said, oh, my goodness, somebody has written a song about my life. And I listen to that song every day. And it just says, why not me? Uh, I'm the perfect person to go through this storm. It won't break me. It won't kill me. I'll move. I'll be strong. And I'll come out even better than before because my faith is getting stronger every day. I'm removing everything that's in my way and I'll come out stronger. So every single day. I'm, you know, why not me? And I realize this is all temporary. It's it's all temporary. 
Everything that we go through in life is temporary. So, you know, I, I keep doing what I can. And my goal is to make a difference in the life of others. So as long as I'm working on working with somebody and helping them tell their story, that gives me great joy when I see that finished product, that finished product. And to, to get, you know, I work with people who have some, my story is my story and, and everybody has a story, but I, I hear a lot of, I, I work with people who have a lot of pain story where they've been abused. They've been sexually abused. They've been, you know, from the people who were supposed to protect them and to see the breakthrough to see them get their story out, to see them share their stories and to see them unpack all that to never have to pack it again. Um, that helps me tremendously. That is fantastic. I love that answer. Yeah, thank you, Gonzalo. One of the things I was curious about, how did this impact your relationship with your mom? Like, did you have any, I mean, I'm guessing as a mom, I would have felt really guilty having left for a minute, knowing I was still taking care of children, but then what that would have caused between the two of you guys as she was raising you, how did you felt as a child, how she felt as your mother raising you? Um, no, my, my, so my mom passed away 14 years ago and I wish I would have been able to, I wish I would have known to ask the questions that I have now then. Um, but I, I remember my, my mom was a teenage mother. She was 15, she was 16 when she had me and I was the second child. So by the time my mom was nine, by the time this happened to me, my mom had three children and my, so she left me there with a family member. So she didn't leave me alone, but I think that in, in a lot of ways, and I talk about in the book, um, you know, and it's walking limitations. So you can get the book where you see what my mom did to the nurse. But <laughs> um, it was. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Um, right. Yes. Um, so there was a there was a, an, an incident where my mom shot in the shot at the nurse in the hospital. So um but I, I, I believe my mom, my mom did, and, and I'm sure she did, she carried some guilt, not because she, it was, she left me or anything like that. Um, my mom worked and I, there was never, so there was never any admission of guilt. There was never any comp com uh, compensation. Um, so never, ever. No, I'm sorry. So I'm continually paying for this physically, financially, emotionally, for, for the rest of my life. So my mom, I was considered, my mom was a Medicaid recipient. And there was a law that said, if you were a Medicaid recipient, you were considered a charity patient. And so basically there, you couldn't sue the hospital because I was considered a charity patient. Um, but my mom, my mom, my mom never drove. She never, she never owned a car, never drove. And I never, ever missed a doctor's appointment where people have chores, you know, you have your, your chore chart on the refrigerator who that we had a, there was a chart on the refrigerator at our house on who takes Laquita to the doctor today. Um, I had lots of doctor's appointment, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, doctor's appointments. So I did a lot of therapy and I never in all of the years from that, for, uh, until I started taking over my own medical care, I never missed an appointment. My mom was my, my advocate. Um, I never, I was never, I, I missed a lot of school, but I never, I was never retained, never kept back. I had homebound teachers. My mom was my advocate. She made sure that I had everything that I needed when I was in a wheelchair, when I was on a walker, when I was on crutches. 
And she advocated when I went to school, she made sure that I was able to go to school. I begged to go to school. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be homeschooled. Now everybody's homeschooling. I didn't want to be homeschooled. So I begged to go to school. And there was the arrangement. If you go to school and you're able, they're they're able to let you do this and you're able to get to your classes without problems, you can go to school. Then I went to school and when I had an issue, she was like, you can't go to school until your cast is off, until I feel I'm, I'm, I'm okay that you're okay. So, but the one thing my mom never did, I never, um, they didn't push me to go to college, but I was also not a spoiled child either. They did not play that. They were like, no, you're not going to be spoiled. You're not going to be a whiner. You're not going to be throwing tantrums. So they, they did not accept that behavior from me. <laughs> and doesn't that like give you such a blessing? Yes, they didn't say you have to go to college, but they also didn't enable you. No. They let they you had enough, you had set enough of your own space that they trusted who you were, that yes. you knew what was right. Yes. I was a strong-willed child. <laughs> I'm, I'm raising two of them. I know that well. Yes. <laughs> Anyone else have questions? Tracy, yes, my dear. You have to unmute Tracy. I muted you. Hi. Hi. I'm hiding out because I have a similar story. And um, so I'll just... I don't even know where to start. It's so overwhelming. I guess what I want to know is if you want to write your story, my, my, I'm swinging between Western medicine is evil because it does things like what happened to you and what's happened to me and what happened to my father. And the other day I was in yoga and I met a lady who also had one of like, you, you just meet people all the time. My 85 year old mother had one where, you know, you just wonder, uh, do these doctors have any idea what they're doing and or nurses that jab you in the leg? And so I swing between telling the story to advocate for people getting an advocate, because if you don't have one, you could end up dead or maimed. And um just telling the story of, um, you know, how to better advocate for yourself. And I just, I'm overwhelmed with, I don't know where to start because my story involves, you know, 15 different doctors and me running from one to another, to another, to try to find the answer because I felt like they had killed my father and I didn't trust any of them. And it turns out that, you know, in this particular, what I had going on, I actually needed Western medicine to help me because there may not have been an alternative solution, but I ended up legally blind in this eye and I never want to be on camera because I've had brain surgery. And so I have divots in my forehead on both sides. My eyebrows are practically gone. I look nothing like I used to look. I look in the mirror and I'm like, who is that? And I... I actually pay I, every day. I thank God I can see because they told me you'll either be dead or blind or both. And so it was two surgeries through my nose, two through my eyes, two through my um, 
face and then my thyroid out and then the brain surgery. And in between that was radiation. So I was actually completely blind for a couple of years and had to Uber or stay in the house. I couldn't tolerate any light. And I was just really kind of like telling God, I I think I'd just rather just go on home because I don't want to be blind. And the miracle is that I can see. So, and I'm here. So every time I get upset about some little piddly crap, like what I look like in the mirror, I remind myself, oh yeah, I was begging God, if I look like a monster, that'll be fine. Just don't let me be blind, you know? So I just feel like, so first of all, I'm completely inspired by what an overcomer you are. Like, thank you. Amazing and beautiful and so remarkable, the human spirit and how all of these doors just kept opening for you to walk through to make miracles for other people, for children, for teenagers and for book people that are trying to get the word out. And it's just I just get myself so wound up in trying to get sorted out that I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, let me say you are beautiful. Um, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known any of that before unless you pointed it out. And I still can't tell. So sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I thought I used to think people were looking at my legs and I went to school and I wouldn't wear I wouldn't wear paint. I mean, I wouldn't wear dresses because I thought people were looking at me. And then I found out that nobody really was paying attention. <laughs> it was me. I, I, I did. I, I almost flunked out of class because I wouldn't wear a dress because I thought people were looking and nobody was paying attention. It was me. So we, we are our, we're our own worst critics. Um, but you're beautiful. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I mean that you are, um, as far as starting your story, I would just, I I typically with, with my clients, I typically ask three questions. Um, and you don't have to answer these, but you can think about them. Um, question number one, who's your audience? Um, no question. Number one is why are you writing a book? Why do you want to write a book? Why do you want to write a book? Why would I care about your story? Um, question number two, who are, who are you writing that story to? Who's your audience? Who is going to best benefit from your story? And number three, what's your anticipated outcome after you write your book? What do you hope to happen as a result of writing the book? Um, once you ans- answer those questions, um, then start with an outline. You know, think about what 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 are the important aspects you want to relate to people. Um, we have the tendency to want to write about our whole life. And we can't, we can't write our whole life in one book. You can write multiple books, um, but you think about what you want to write about, what specific do you want to write about um, and create an outline and write from the outline and outline. Everybody doesn't use an outline. I do because it helps me keep my thoughts organized. Um, I usually work backwards. I don't think about titles. I don't think about dedications. I just write, you know, I just name my chapters. So if I'm writing a book chapter, I I do, you know, one to 10 or one to 15 chapters. And then I name those chapters based on what I want to talk about. Then I go back chapter one, trained by pain. I write everything I want to write about trained by pain. Chapter two, um, Louisa's journey. I write everything about Louisa's journey. Chapter three, whatever that chapter is, I write. And once I've written everything I want to write about, then I'll go through, I'll read what I've written. You might find chapter one might be better suited for chapter five. Chapter five might be chapter three. Um, Once you finish that process, then you think about your title if you don't have one already and you who you want to dedicate the book to. And then you have your story. 
Um, so think about just think about what aspect you want to write about. If you want to write about your your dad and the process that he went through, write about everything pertaining to that. If you want to write about your story and your surgeries and and what led you to this point, you know, when I look in a mirror, what do I see? Who is this woman? I don't recognize her. And why is it that you don't recognize her? How did you get to a point of not recognizing? Um, thank God I can see. And I'm just throwing out just throwing out some, there's no rhyme or reason, but, you know, think about those things. Um, think about the, what you want to write about and, and stick to that in a, um, write, write, use an outline and it help you keep your thoughts organized. And, you know, if, if there's anything I can do to help you, um, you know, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any questions. I can send you, uh, an outline. There's no cost for that. Of course, I can send you an outline and some tips that I use with my clients, um, and you can use it if it helps you. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I never thought about just the three questions and the, the you know, out, I mean, I, I'm not a writer. So just what you just said is profound because it does just even listening. I'm, I could see myself starting to organize things better than I've been mm -hmm. able, you know, to do on my own. So thank you so much. I love that. And I don't know the answer to number one and two, but number three, the outcome I want is the doctors who didn't listen. I, I want them to understand if you would just listen mm -hmm. to your patients, mm -hmm. it would make a huge difference. Like I had so many doctors that I thought I had female hormone problems and that wasn't it. It was I had Graves disease. It's a severe situation in the half a half a half of 1%. It's a thyroid problem, but it goes into the eyeballs in some people. And no one ever communicated any of that to me or the gravity of it. So, you know, I, the outcome I would want was just to speak to the medical establishment about what it actually means to get over in the listening and be with someone and hear what they're saying and then, you know, do your homework to actually help that person versus just responding in a reactive, oh, here's a prescription, take this. Goodbye. Next. You know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. So much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, one of the things that, because I've been co-writing for the last year, one of the things that helped me with my writing was asking myself the questions and then answering them, like just coming up with a whole bunch of questions. And then my answers became my chapter because I was only writing mm -hmm. a chapter in each book, but I kept, I'm like, it can't be that hard to write a chapter. Oh yeah, it is. It was <laughs> hard to write a chapter and I kept getting really stuck with like each chapter. So what helped me was just coming up with a whole bunch of questions that I answered myself and I was like, because I'm great at answering questions, I just couldn't come up with how you would come up with all the words to, to fill <laughs> 1500 words. So, and I did this recently. So for Mother's Day, my son, my kids are really great at writing cards. They, they really can be very funny. And he couldn't get into his wit. So I gave the card back with to him with a whole bunch of questions to answer. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I can help you get to your wit with uh, just answer these questions. <laughs> so I love the aspect of like, you know, when you said the first three questions, the whole thing could be like, how many questions can you come up with to answer? Because everyone that you're speaking to has those questions. Mm 
Mm-hmm. They just are looking for the answers and they're coming from you. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Tracy, so much for being so courageous and sharing your story. And I've known you this entire time and I never even saw anything to that you pointed out today. So how fascinating exactly. We don't notice. I had no idea. And I see you all the time. You're very kind. Well, it's the truth. I really had no idea. So anyone else would like to share? Hi. Hi, Lakita. Hi. I'm Dorinda. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your story and showing that no matter where we are in our lives and what have what we've gone through in our lives, we don't have to let that be who we are. And that's such an amazing thing. And thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dorinda. David, were you going to share something again? I saw your hand up. Oh, you were just trying to make sure I got your attention. (laughs) Love it. Kevin, I haven't heard from you tonight. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. He's like incognito. All right. Yeah, of course. It's been a long day. Do you want to share anything? It's, it's, I, I can't imagine an evening without hearing from you. So, no, I, I just uh, uh, feel some of your problems. I had some of those challenges, too, um, when I debated about getting the uh, uh, COVID vaccination. And um, I finally got coerced into it and wound up getting long-haul COVID from it and have suffered ever since. So. Um, those jabs resulted in ER stays and, um, stays in ICU. So, yeah. So I, I, I know some of the wonders of, uh, Western medicine. So yeah. Yay. So I feel your pain. I kind of know a little bit of what it's like. So. Well, I'm so sorry, Kevin. I hope that you're feeling better. Yep. Yep. You know, good days and bad days. So, yeah, uh, I know you have the same good days and bad days. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is honestly like, Laquita, when we had our talk two, two years ago, and I loved being on with you, I literally was like so inspired by your story. And then when I thought, people were sharing that they were so inspired by your story. I'm like, how do I get to connect everyone together and to create a space where we do do this together and Mm -hmm. and share this um, journey where no one feels alone anymore. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned on Saturday, um, which has been so uncomfortable for me, has been having this not be about me. So I have financially carried the the space of hosting the event, um, sharing the email list, uploading it to YouTube, doing all the fun stuff. And I literally like could not see how this was going to become something that was everybody participating. Cause I, everyone who said, 
there has to be like a membership. There has to be this, there has to be that. And and the class I took on Saturday, I kind of had this aha because of the way he was hosting it of like choosing it as a donation, choosing it as a, um, 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 participation monthly and, and just opening it up to how people want to contribute and how people want to create the space for it. Because I realized I have been doing it in a way where it was really all about me supporting it. And I realized a lot of the ones that I've been participating in masterminds, it wasn't sustainable and they all, all kind of gone away. And I have been holding this together because I love it so much, but I'm like, it's not a sustainable system. So one of the things I realized about the way you share and the way we all, all the powerful people in here has created a sustainable system. So instead of me coming up with a plan of creating that just by myself, I'm going to actually do what I learned on Saturday is ask the group for how their ideas can come together and all of you guys can come together to create a way that this can continue growing where I'm not the only one funding it. So mm -hmm. I'm open to suggestions to what can happen. I love the idea that I learned this on Saturday of like donations towards it, um, people committing to choose it as a monthly membership. So I'm just oh, throwing this out here because it's not something I've done before. And I've literally was like, wow, I, I get to be in a new space. I get to like use my voice and use the leadership and really transition this to go from wherever it had been in giving and also making it where everybody participates. So I'm just throwing it out there. I don't have any attachment to anything, just open to ideas. So I love that I got to learn that on Saturday. And I love that I'm able to like freely be in that space. Whereas up until now, I wasn't freely in that space. So I, I love the, the newness and the growth and the opportunities that come from things not really being about me. <laughs> you know, like I love the fact that I get to ask David to do the intro and he's great at it. I love the fact that everybody gets to be here and imagine like, Everybody would come to you and say, write my story and help me do this, but you're not doing it for free. There's like a, um, a space there. So mm -hmm. I really love, like, at what point did you go, this is a business? Like, it's not like, oh, I'm just really good at this. I could help everybody. <laughs> um, it, it was a process. When I, when I started, I was not... I, Listen, honestly, the people who got published the first, my first year, they basically got their book for free um, because I operated in the, I really operated in the red because I wasn't sure what to charge. Uh, I struggled too, because I was like, um, I was afraid that if I charged people, they wouldn't, you know, I, they, they wouldn't want their book published. Um, and until I, I did, I, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of workshops and a lot of you know, masterminds and a lot of classes and, and learning. And, and somebody said to me one day, um, you like to, you're, you're, you like to give, right? And I said, I do. So you could do more. How much can you do more with a dollar or with a million dollars? And I said, with a million dollars, of course. And they started having me, I started thinking differently. Um, and I had somebody else, I had all these little pockets of people saying these different things. And, you know, people can say whatever they want to say, but if you don't buy into it, it doesn't matter. It just kind of falls on deaf ears. 
And so I started thinking and I had one of my and it was my Bible, my my Bible school, my Bible, my Sunday, my Bible study teacher said, I said, I don't know how much to charge because I came from corporate America. And with my mentoring programs, I funded that myself. Um, I, I did all that myself. And so I, I wasn't sure what should I charge? You know, I looked at what other people were doing. It's like, I, I'm not I've never I haven't done this long enough. I, I, I had all these different. I don't want to charge this. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then my my um, Bible school teacher said, calculate how long it takes you to do the work and divide it out and see how much you're making. And I looked at the different genres. Of course, children's books are different than uh, autobiographies. If there's a if there are pictures in books, that's a whole different animal. And I started calculating and the time that it took. And literally, I'm like, I was making less than minimum wages. And I said, okay, this is this is not right. This is, and it was my only source of income. And I said, this isn't, this isn't right. And so I so I had to change my prices. In two years, I changed my prices three times. And here's the thing. Um, somebody, I, I was talking to somebody else. I had, I, I had very little respect for that person because they turned out to be somebody that they were not. But the one thing that I took away from that was he said to me, um, you're not going to be able to sustain. You're going to end up having to get a job by June. This was, I started the company in August of 2020 and they told me I was going to have to get a job by June of 2021. And they were just very, very negative with me. And I thought, wow. And but the one thing they said is if you, he said, if you don't do something different, if you don't, if you you're going to have to change your prices. I kept hearing that people kept saying your prices are too low. Your prices are too low. And he said, if you if you offer different packages, they will. And he was very he was right. I changed my scope. I changed. I, I started offering packages and I found that about 80% of the time, people will take the mid package. They don't take the cheapest package. So when I raise my prices and, and offer the service that I offer, um, I started getting more clients and they started taking the, you know, either the premium package or the mid grade package. Um, I sell more of the mid grade packages because of the service and I offer I offer a, a good provable service. I have a lot of clients who can testify to that. And it's it's allowed me to add people to my team to be able to to offer service. And and I still keep and and my prices are still very very competitive. I still charge much lower. I charge lower and offer more services than most people. Um and so I I had to I had to look at it and the one thing that I kept coming back was my worth and here's the thing where I was when I started I was I, I was open to everybody's project I was afraid to say okay I didn't really say a lot of no's um, and so now where I am now I get to choose who I work with so before people chose if they wanted to work with me now I get to choose if I want to work with with people um and so I don't I don't feel like um nobody's going to choose me because of my prices and so and I've been, I've been able to to do a really good job um America Supermom I published her her first single project 
And she's a part of an anthology that I'm actually publishing. I'm going to be publishing. So it's been so so the the growth process. I've seen the growth process, and now I I have a lot of people who want to work with me, but I'm not able to right now. I'm like, okay, I can't take any more clients until you know until the the fall, because I want to make sure that I do my due diligence and give that attention to you know the clients that I have right now. But I do I I I do workshops and I offer. Um, services where I help people start their stories and write their stories. And I I give them, I, pr- I put together a, a package, a resource package with everything that a person needs to write their own story and to publish. And if they need help, I can help them. But I provide that for them, um, very little cost that they can go through the steps, everything that is lined out. What, what do I need from start to finish to go into a book? And then I offer my services if it's needed. If not, you know, I can help guide you too. And th- and those packages are very, very reasonable. Uh, under um, under $900, a lot of them. So very awesome. reasonable. I'm so happy I brought this conversation up because I really feel like as a leader, it really is important to address every aspect in it. And any area where I'm hiding means I'm not stepping in my leadership. So like bringing this up, you having to get there for yourself and then me getting there. Cause like, this has been a year and, and I really have enjoyed it. And it really, I believe has served everybody who's been participating, but there, there's that level where you're like, Ooh, this is awesome. Right. And then it gets to keep moving from there. So I love that you even said that, like how, the the three prices and the where people pick because I have heard that before and that and mm-hmm. it seems to be the 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 space people choose and I agree mm-hmm. with you on that. And you so. know Louisa, I um it's it's funny you should say that I have been doing my power of your story show for for a year. Um in in April I celebrated one year and I one year and 70 guests. And I just started, I just started asking for donations for that show. And I, and I just, just at the end of every show, I just say, Hey, if you're, if you want to make a donation um, to keep our show going, please do. And, and that, and that's it. I don't charge anything for guests to come on the show. And I just provide my cash app at the end of the show. And, and it's, and it's, and it's funny, any donation, I say any amount, and I get I get donations, various donations. Sometimes it'll be uh, a guest will do seventy five dollars. Sometimes they'll do fifty. Sometimes they'll do twenty five. Um, and it's not required. But since I started putting it out there, uh, I've started getting. You know, sometimes I like what is this in my cash app? And a guest will will totally surprise me and send a hundred dollars or. And I'm like, wow. And and simply because I I asked. Right. And that's been a whole year after a whole year. And I love that. It's because I asked, right? You know, people say to me all the time, how do you get these amazing people on here? So I always say to the guests, how did, like, what had you say yes to me? So Laquita, what had you say yes to me? Well, you know what? I said yes to you because I remember that I, I remember such a connection when we met before and, and we had an opportunity to talk before um, we did the show. And it was just such a connection. And I, I loved your energy. 
I, I did. And so when you asked me again, and I know my schedule was just getting, getting, getting together, being able to have some time to do that. It was, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. I, I actually did an interview prior to this one and I was saying, Hey, I'm going to be um, speaking with Joe Louisa and, and I put the flyers out. And so that crew was like, wow, I've seen that. So I've gotten a, a lot of good feedback. So I said, yes, because I remembered the energy and, and I've been seeing some of the things that you've been doing. You know, I, I kind of spy on people's pages. I don't do a lot of commenting sometimes, um, but I, I spy and, and Michael was on my show before. Yeah. So we, it was great. Well, I introduced Michael to America's Supermom, and I think he had interviewed her. Uh, she she introduced me to him. <laughs> and she introduced, introduced me to you, too. So yes, it, was, like, it came full circle. Mm-hmm. I have to share this story, actually, and then we could wrap it up with this one. When I was doing my summit, he, everybody was like, so I send out 100 generator emails in order to get my speakers. Well, if you know me, that is not going to happen with me. I am not sending out 100 generator emails. I wrote 10 generator emails that were, and I I said a prayer before I sent them out. I said, whoever reads this is going to have a physical reaction and, and want to be on my show and want to connect with me, but I needed 21 people. So the 10 was not going to give me 21 people, but it was, I said, this 10 is going to know enough people that I could connect with that will get me my 21 people. So whoever reads this is going to be moved, touched and inspired by connecting with me and wanting to be on my show and then connecting me to everyone else. Let me tell you, Miss America Supermom connected we, me with 30, 30 speakers. Yes. Yes. I was like, whoa, one person just got my whole summit done. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet you. I was, oh, the energy was absolutely magnificent. I so loved our connection. And I got to, I literally have now friends all over the world because yes. of that experience. And then through us, you, you got to have, meet Michael and then now everybody here gets to meet you. And I love what you said. Like I asked, you know, like when we ask. And so that one of the things I hadn't been doing with the whole financial aspect was asking. Mm-hmm. I just was like, it'll happen. And you know, I, I will. Uh, I'm sorry, Louisa, your, your stretch goes further than you even know. Um, I, I, I completed this as two summits. She said yes to herself unapologetically. And the first, when we did that together um, with um, Chanel Coleman, she was a visionary. Um, your remember when we did the summit and you sent out, you know, you you sent out the information. You said you can use this letter that you put together. Or you can use your own. Um, your uh, I used that. I remembered that, and I used that as the foundation for how we communicated with our speakers for, she said yes to herself unapologetically. I used that format and I said, here, I said, you know what? I remember we did this and I shared that with her. And I said, she sent, you know, she sent this, you could do it this way, you could do it that way. And we literally used that as the format. And we've done two summits now um, for she said yes to herself unapologetically. We're doing an anthology now. Um, the visionary, I published her first book. So your reach goes further than you know. That is so, so. much to hear. And as a matter of fact, I do. I also remember a student of a coaching student called me and said, my teacher shared your email with us and said, whoever wants to connect with Louisa, because she's looking for speakers. And this lady from Canada connected with me and was like, my teacher shared your email in our class. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and this is, 
I had like never even done this before. I had never done any of this. And I was like, this is so much fun. And honestly, all of this came from how much fun I had with you guys. Yeah. It's, 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 I love it. I love it. I love the masterminds. So you are amazing. You are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So I am so honored to like complete today. I thank each and every one of you because the most ultimate thing we can never have enough of is time. And because that is, you can't make more of it. There's, this is it. You guys gave us your most valuable resource. And thank you so much for your time. If anybody wants to share and and ask for my um, Venmo, I'm not actually going to put it in here. If you want to connect them and want to contribute, super open to it. And thank you. And if not, I love you dearly. And I hope to see you guys all in two weeks. We have an amazing Laquita. I would love to have you on because I think you're going to love the next speaker. I, mm-hmm. I keep trying to introduce you guys. And for like it does this, I think you're going to love him. So I hope you're on for the next one to get get to meet him. Okay, thank you, thank you all. It's been a pleasure meeting. You're awesome, you. thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank reach out, you. connect if you need. If I can help anybody with anything, please connect with me. Uh, I'm on social media. I'm on um, all platforms. <laughs> you want to put it in the chat? So oh, that sure. Way, um, sure. Everyone has at least like a. a fast pass to you. Tara, thank you so much for jumping on. Like I literally just met you and I sent you an invitation 30 seconds before the event. And I was like, would you please jump on? So thank you for loving me enough and being on here with us. Thank you for the invite. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. And love you all.